The opinions and views expressed in this video are purely for entertainment purposes and not for investment advice. Hello again, Jack of All Trades. Welcome back. Uh, just Kaylin, myself this week, and of course, our producer, Sam. Um, we got a question actually from one of our um, uh, viewers named Christopher. Uh, he was asking about preferred stocks. So that's Kaylin's wheelhouse. So I was thinking he can answer that for you, Christopher. Yeah, about uh, scanners and stuff like that. So yeah, this is, this is my go-to scanner right here. Um, I used to use the one on um, Interactive Brokers. Uh, that one was pretty good as well. But this this is definitely by far stockcharts.com, like all around the best uh, scanner that I've ever seen because it's like it's fully customizable. There's tons of stuff in here that like, to be honest, I don't even know how to use because it's so like there's so many different things. Um, but this is my platform. You know, I have, uh, I'm, the, I'm an extra member. So it's like a paid service. It's, uh, I think it's like 30 bucks a month or something like that to, to be on here. But um, if you just scroll down, you know, you can set up all your different scans here. So like, you know, I, there's a, there's a bunch that are kind of like pre-made. Like I don't use a lot of these things. Um, like gap up, gaps downs. Those are a couple that I look at. Like my main one here is my small caps bikers because that's kind of that's like sort of my wheelhouse. Um, so if I just click on this, you know, if I hit edit scan, um, the way you can customize it is pretty cool. So it's like you literally type in like your own code, so you can make it absolutely anything you want to. Like you can, you know, like so here for example, like. I have type, you know, I want it to be a stock. Uh, I want it to be higher than a dollar. Uh, I want to be, I want today's high to be higher than yesterday's close by 30%. Um, you know, the volume over 3 million shares, liquidity, $6 million, and I don't want ETFs. So that's pretty much it. And that uh, basically gets me like exactly what I'm looking for every day. So this one's super, super handy. Um, I Questions. think this, yeah. So for that scanner, you don't even need to, um, uh, dictate the the market cap of the company just just that that alone will only pick up small caps yeah yeah well i mean it, it sometimes it picks up large caps depending how they're trading right. um but yeah for the most part like you know 95 percent of the time it's basically getting me exactly what i want to find um but like it's fully customizable so like you could you could search for ones that are only on you know the new york stock exchange like only the nasdaq you could search for like only otc stocks you could search for you know, only stocks within a certain market cap range. Like you can literally do anything you want on this thing. Like this is one of the, this 52 high swing, this is one of the built-in ones. So I'm not really sure, but it's, you know, PE ratio over 40, outstanding shares less than a hundred thousand. You know, today is high is greater than yesterday's daily max, you know, 253 high type is a stock exchange is New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ, um, you know, close greater than $60. So. You can, yeah, like I said, I mean, this this is a great, great tool. You can just kind of play around with it. Um, if you put something in there that doesn't work, it'll tell you and it'll tell you how to fix it. Like, you know, if you're missing a bracket or something like that. And then you just kind of like, fump, like you know, I kind of fumble around with it until I find what I want. Like sometimes I'll put in like exchanges, you know, New York Stock Exchange and something else, but then it'll only give me ETS for some reason. You got to kind of figure out why it's not working because, you know, you're just coding a program, right? But right. yeah, as far as scanners go, this is this is definitely like the one that I would recommend over anything else. The customer service is really good too. Like if you have any, if you have any questions, if you're trying to like find something specific, you can just email the guys and say like, hey, this is the kind of stuff I trade. I'm trying to find stuff that's, you know, in this specific criteria, and then they'll help you like set up a code for it. And it's also pretty widely used. So like you can even find stuff on forums. Like if you're just, if you're just searching around on forums, you can just Google like, you know, how do I scan for these types of stocks on stockcharts.com? And there's probably somebody that's already coded it. So you can just use it that way as well. Um, but then like if I, so if I go to my small cap spikers here, uh, let's go back actually, I'll just show you how, how it kind of comes out. So. You scroll down, you know, go to my small cap spikers. I just hit run scan, and then it'll it'll show me here. It'll show me so like I got ten entries. This is we're recording on Sunday, so this is all from Friday because I have this set to be you know yesterday's high. But you can put in a specific date too. Like if you want to scan from you know three weeks ago on a specific day, you can do that, and it'll give you all those results. <clears throat> um, usually, what I do is I just click the volume thing here. So I'll just get my highest volume stock first, and it goes down to the lowest volume at the end. And then available actions, I just say store these in a new chart list, uh, preserve sort order. If you click that off, then it basically just keeps the, the high volume one first. And then it'll just save it as its own little file. And then from here, you can just kind of view it however you want. So it says, you know, view list as summary, you know, chart book, gallery, you know, candle glance, 
And you can edit all these as well. Like you can set these up however you want to. I usually just do 10 per page. And then I have it set up so it shows me as a line chart with the volume profile and everything. So I got, uh, I got the volume profile there on the left, you know, volume at the bottom. And then it just shows me as a line chart. And then, it, you know, it shows you your percentage gain, shows me my volume on the day. And then I'll just, you know, go through each one of these and just kind of take a look at what I'm interested in, basically. So it's like, it's super, super handy. It's very handy. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I just like, it, you can set it up however you want. Like I could set this up to show me the daily chart. Like I can set this up to be in candles, like whatever you want. I can code it to be whatever I want to. So like if I'm looking for, you know, swing trades or if I'm looking for really specific stuff or, you know, 52 week highs or the biggest losers on the day or the biggest gainers, like you can just set a lot up in here really easily. And it just helps you narrow it down from looking at, you know, 50 100 stocks that have gone up in one day it just helps you narrow it down to like you know five or ten of your of your best setups kind of thing so and it's like and is, is there a free version uh there is a free version but i don't think you can set up your own scanners and stuff on it though gotcha so it'll give you a little bit of stuff but you can't do too too much with the free version but like i said i mean it's only like 30 bucks a month so like you know if you're making more than 30 bucks a month it's it's worth it right <laughs> Well, it takes money to make money. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think my, all the services I have, it's not crazy. I think I'm like, like pretty, maybe like 350 bucks a month for all the stuff I subscribe to. Like my, my brokers, my trading platform, my scanners, all that kind of stuff is probably in that neighborhood. I think, let me share screen. I think I'm maybe half of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I'm paying 80 US a month for the on-chain data for Bitcoin because that's helped me out a lot. Uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on that a little bit later, the trade that I was doing, but and then I pay yeah, yeah. for and I think I pay 60 bucks for TradingView. There's about 100, 150 US for those. Okay, is that a month? Because I, I think I got my TradingView when it was on sale. It was like 120 bucks for the year or something. Oh, I got, um, I upgraded because um, it's on my laptop. So to get the more more access on different devices, you got to pay a little bit more. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Like I pay for BAM SEC too. I've showed that on here a couple of times to get like filings. I think that's another like 30 bucks a month or whatever it is. Right. It's like a video game, man. Eh? You get a little bit better. You start winning a little bit. You start accumulating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You get the upgrades. So you start off and you get this scanner and this, this little information and you get this platform and like yeah. all of a sudden you're spending like $500 a month just on <laughs> services. It's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. pull up. Yeah, that's, uh, money to make money. Well, that's for sure. I'm going to, I'm going to get your thoughts on the uh, SMP because you, you were saying earlier off camera, you said um, the charts or the market was feeling a little heavy, heavy to you. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. So like, just in like, like not, I haven't noticed like a huge, I know Brendan can speak to this more on the large cap stuff, but like, you know, I think, I think all of us are trying to kind of figure out if there is any like really close correlation between small caps and like large caps right now. Cause like I've seen it like here and there, but, but I still haven't really like figured out if there is like a specific, like, you know, when this happens, you can expect this in the large caps or vice versa. But like, I know, you know, if you look at it, like the kind of guys that are trading small caps are usually people that are like really easily excitable. And like, you know, they're, they're going to hear something on the news and they're going to think, oh, the markets are crazy. Let's throw some money in sort of thing. Um, you know, that's kind of the way I look at it anyway. So if I see like this whole week, I've seen it kind of like, like dramatically slowing down each day, as far as like, the amount of stuff that's showing up in small, like for example, like even that scanner I just did, you know, I had 10 stocks on there. Um, like even a week and a half, two weeks ago, I was getting like 20, 25 on it. So like it's, it's, it's dropping down like pretty fast. And I think that usually like, I'm, I'm assuming that's probably going to signify that like a lot of people are, you know, kind of holding back a little bit more money. Maybe they're not feeling like as excited about throwing money in and thinking it's going to go up hundred percent in a day kind of thing. So I'm definitely seeing a slowdown and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes over the next few weeks in the large caps if that kind of correlates. Like if it's like, maybe it's a precursor, right? Like if you see a slowdown in small yeah. caps then kind of kicks off like a, like a sell off in the large caps, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about it. I was like, if small caps are where the, all the risk is or the higher risk is, then they got to be more sensitive to whatever happens in the market, right? They might be spooked more mm -hmm. easily. So I'm thinking like an early warning system, just look at the small caps. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting if that if that actually works out. But 
But uh, like looking at the S and P, I mean, from the chart, just at a glance, it looks pretty strong. This is on the daily. Um, yeah. Let me look, take a look at the weekly. Yeah, I mean, that's COVID there. That's 2018, and that's uh, yeah, this is 2018 uh, bond tantrum, and that's COVID. So it's been a while. It's been a year before we've had some kind of real correction. I think this was election, yeah. so that's that's like a one-off. I wouldn't really count that. Um, the declining volume is a little, a little concerning, though. Yeah, it's still going up like pretty fast relative to like it almost it almost kind of looks close to like if you look towards like the end of twenty seventeen on the chart there, like how it's kind of like you know it stayed like or yeah so the end of twenty seventeen. So like when it was kind of ramping up, ramping up, and then it just got like it just got really, really, really tight, and then it kind of just right. you know dropped off pretty aggressively, and it took what like another six months or so to get back up to the highs before we had the twenty eighteen drop. Yeah, that's right. Um, so that's the great debate. I know Brendan's. I don't want to speak for him, but I know he's a little bit spooked, and it was based off um, some, some of the bond yields and some of the uh, mm -hmm. the money printing, the, the comments from the Fed Chairman Powell. And I was like, that. the funny thing is, we were talking privately, the stuff that he, that spooked him recently was the stuff that spooked me about uh, in uh, in the winter. I don't know if you remember that period. I was like, I was like, I was like up all night reading and looking at the S&P 500 because I was, I was yeah. pretty spooked and like, the crash is going to happen, right? So I was like trying to get him more in cash. Mm -hmm. Ironically now, though, I'm not as spooked and he is. So I don't know how to judge that. No. But you're seeing, yeah, you're seeing the like, small caps. Yeah, like the small caps are slowing down and stuff. But like, again, I don't know if that means anything, right? Like, you know, you think guys with any kind of decent money, like they're not, they're not paying attention to that sort of thing. But like, just, it's just the way that I look at it, right? Like, I figure that those are the kind of guys that are really excitable about stuff. So like, it, like, I'm almost wondering if it, if you can kind of take that as like, like a sentiment from the news, because like, a lot of those guys, like they're getting their hype from news and Twitter and all this kind of stuff. So like maybe if maybe if that's slowing down, there's not as much of that hype being fed out by the media, right? Like that could be that could be an interesting angle to look at it as well. I wonder if if there's a way to look at the time, but it's, I wonder if the slowdown is correlating with uh, the the extra talk about the Delta variant, which to me is a non-issue, but mm -hmm. I think the market might be spooked by it. Well, I know Florida, like Florida, is like, what are they, like 40,000 cases a day or 20,000 or something? I can't remember what it was, but like they're, like they're having a ton of cases. And like, I know like, like my sister's over in Paris right now and they're having like riots and all kinds of stuff over there because they're trying to make like masks, van or what is it, no, they're trying to make it mandatory um, that you have to have a vaccine to go like anywhere, like even go in the grocery store sort of thing. Yeah, There's the all that going on and like even... Um, yeah, yeah. Like one of my like one of my dad's close friends works in healthcare. He's a he's like a surgeon, and he was saying that uh, like he's he's basically saying like you know here in Canada he's expecting us to basically go into lockdowns again like in the fall. Like he's saying it, like the way things are looking, it's probably going to ramp up kind of the same way that it did again. So, but see, I don't understand that logic. It's like first of all, if you're just looking at the numbers, yeah, they're looking a lot like last year. They're just biking up, right? But if you look mm -hmm. at how many look at the infections they're saying some of it is uh people who've got the vaccine already so it's a non-issue like they have the virus they're testing positive mm -hmm. but they're protected right and then if you look at the curve for the yeah. deaths of the hospitalizations it's not spiking in line with the cases even with a lag period right so yeah. i don't know i know that's the tricky part because they're saying like if you have the vaccine you can still you can still get it and give it to someone else right and you can also still get sick. Like basically they're saying the vaccine, it'll just stop you from getting really sick, right? So you're not going to end up in the hospital. You're not going to die sort of thing. But it's like, but by the same token, it's like, okay, if, if we look at it like in that sense, it's like, you know, you're getting all these cases, you're getting all these COVID cases. Like, you know, I've, I think all of us have said this from the very beginning. It's like, I don't really care how many cases there is. I want to know like how many serious cases there is. Yeah. Because if you say there's, you know, 40,000 cases a day, but there's zero deaths, then it's, you know, it's like, okay, well, maybe it's, maybe everyone, since everyone's vaccinated, they're just getting sick, but they're sick for a week and then they get better. Yeah. Right. So is that, it, maybe it's not something to be that concerned about. Right. You know, exactly. Like, yeah. I don't know. 
<laughs> like like I I think I posted this earlier in the week or maybe it was last week I pulled some numbers because I, I I didn't look at the numbers for a bit and then um, I started hearing about Delta variant I'm like oh shit maybe there's a problem I go the on the Ontario COVID website and I'm looking at deaths so there's um just like about nine thousand at that time it was about nine thousand eight hundred deaths in Ontario since the beginning of COVID right nine thousand of the eight hundred nine thousand eight hundred are over the age of fifty five to mm. sixty. Right. So like yeah. only 800 people in a province of, I think, what were we, 13 million, something like that, uh, right. died from COVID. Right. And then so then <laughs> the, the guy, the, the numbers guy that I am, I did the I did the odds. You, if you're under 50, you have a one in a quarter million uh, chance of dying from COVID. You have a better <laughs> chance of getting six out of seven numbers on the lotto max. And, and I'm looking around. I'm like, I don't know a person that's got four numbers in the lotto max. Never mind six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, so it's like, like it's such a weird touchy subject man like i i don't know i'm not a doctor i don't know anything about it but like just from what i've seen from like you know they, there's certain people that get it and get really sick or you know and there's certain people that get it and they don't get sick and like if you look at like the lifestyles of these sort of people like i'm almost convinced it's just like a genetic thing like you know like it's almost like because i've seen people that are really like you know overweight and unhealthy get it and they don't even know they have it and I've seen people that are like really fit and in shape and they get it and it like knocks them out and they're in the hospital. So like, I don't know, man, like it, it almost just seems like it's like a weird genetic thing where it's like, if you have this, if you have this genetic marker, then you're going to get really sick. Like, obviously it's better to be in, you know, your odds are better if you're healthy and in shape and stuff like that. But like, I don't know, some of the stuff I'm seeing is just kind of weird, but all that aside, it's just like, I think as far as the markets go and stuff, like not a lot of people look into that kind of stuff, right? Like everyone's just going to look at the news and they're just going to say, oh, there's, you know, the cases are rising, cases are rising. Like that's all everybody's hearing. So that people are going to get scared because it's what we talk about every single week on the show is that the media just feeds you excitement because they need views. That's how they make money. It's a business, right? Like if you're, if you're scared and you're watching the news, the media is doing their job because they're getting viewers, they're making money. They have a good business, right? Yeah. So that's, that's what they have to drive at. So right now, like, there's still nothing else going on because the world's not open. Like, yeah, you know, we have the Olympics now, but COVID is still overpowering that with the news. So since nothing else is going on, all they have to talk about is COVID and they have to keep it scary. Otherwise they're going to lose viewers. And um, I don't remember if I, I said this on air, but I, I mentioned it a few times. I was like, the media is always looking for that next new thing to scare people who was like, you know, earlier in the year it was like the bonds, then it was like lumber, then inflation. There was like one thing after another. I was like, on, right on cue soon as people weren't talking about inflation anymore they're like there's a copper shortage it's semiconductors and you know that this right yeah. so cnbc this past week i called them out like it was a headline it was like on thursday it said the, um, what what the copper shortage means for semiconductors and the rest of the industry i go on an industry mining magazine right and it goes we have a surplus of copper i'm like what the f what what is that yeah <laughs> i know i saw that <laughs> like i'm just like i know this and this is CNBC. It's not like, you know, a blogger, right? This is like supposed yeah. to be a reputable. I know, but that's the problem though, man. Like that's, that's why it's like, that's the funny thing about, you know, the, like just the markets and, and just general daily occurrences. It's like, it's, it's so easy to, to find like a good company and a good stock to invest in long-term kind of thing. But the difficult part is that like, you're such an outlier. It's like, you know, like, it's like us, when we look at a stock or you get a bias, like, you know, you, for example, with Tesla, like, you know, you've known that it's a good company for so long, but like every day people are just shitting on it because it's the easy thing to shit on. And it's exciting. And everybody likes talking about Tesla and Elon Musk is this kind of weird eccentric billionaire. Right. So like, yeah. but like for, you know, for someone like you, you, you do your research and you, you know, you see like a CNBC article or you see like something on the news and you read it and it's like, well, this is just absolutely this is just a complete blatant lie yeah. right so if it tanks the stock you know you buy more and then you make a quick you know 10 percent profit when it bounces back up right so yeah. it's but that's the problem is like most people don't do that right like they'll just sit there and they just sit there and look at the news and say oh well they said this so you know i better sell my tesla and then they sell it and you know three four days later it's back up and it's trucking along again and you know they're thinking oh this is impossible you can't make money in the markets like this is stupid it's just because you're not listening to the right source you have to do your own research. And, I, I, and oh, that's a good term too, because a lot of people say, you know, do your own research, do your own, but like, they don't realize like reading an article, like listening to some talking head on TV is not research, does not constitute no. research. 
No, you have to actually like read reports and like yeah. the, the company's financial statements and like what they're doing as a business, right? It's not yeah. like, because if, you, if you're listening to the news, you're getting it basically like third hand or fourth hand. Because yeah. if the guys at the news, like basically like pretty much the way that it works is it, there's a company and then the analysts, you know, sit there and they look at the company and depending on what their background is, like if they're like, let's say they're an RBC analyst or a JP Morgan analyst or whatever, they might have some incentive based on what their investors are doing to spin that article a certain way. So they'll give it, you know, X price target. And then based on that, you know, they'll talk to the news or they'll talk to a news outlet and those articles, and depending on what kind of transactions or what sort of business they have going on, they'll spin it again a little bit further. And then by the time it actually gets to the broadcast then you're getting it basically fourth hand. So it's just, it's kind of gone down this big rabbit hole of like broken telephone by the time it actually gets to you. And you're just getting, you're basically just getting completely irrelevant information for the most part. I mean, like, it's fine to sit there. Like the only reason that you and I ever like listen to news or take it into consideration is because, you know, exactly what we just said, we can look at it and say, oh, well, that's dumb. I'm going to buy this thing when everybody panics yeah. and sells because it's going to bounce right back up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remember months ago, uh, what's it? Michael Burry came out, said he was a uh, short, uh, short Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was a perfect example of the media kind of like making a mountain out of Mohill. They're like, he's short $300 million. Like, no, he owns calls that commands about $300 million worth of shares, but he doesn't actually, he didn't short 300. Like he, his risk is not even close to that. Yeah, right? yeah, but, yeah. But that's the big number. So they put it out there. I know. But like, regardless, I mean, like anytime, you know, it's like any hedge fund or anything like that. That's what they have to do. Or like any, any guy who's like big into if they, if they made the wrong bet, they basically, all they have to do is just trick, you know, trick people into going their direction long enough they can get out of their position, right? Like, that's the best way to do it. Like, that's what I would do. I mean, if I had all that kind of money, I'm like, if, <laughs> for sure. Like, if I, you know, if I was some big, you know, famous guy with, you know, billions of dollars and, you know, I shorted something and then it, it just kept trucking up and they kept coming out with great news and I'm sitting there going, shit, how am I going to get out of this thing? Like, I, you know what? I'm just going to go on the news and say it's the worst company. I'm shorting the hell out of this thing. It's going to zero. And I'll sit there and then everybody will panic on Monday and it'll drop, you know, five or 6%. I can cover a few of my shares. And then I'll come out, you know, once it kind of gets back up again, I'll I'll hit them with another media piece and I'll drop it again. I'll get out a few more of my shares. And then once I'm done getting out all of my shares, then I'll just leave it and I'll let it do its thing. Maybe I'll even buy it. You know? yep. and, and this <laughs> isn't speculation too i can call out a few like famous hedge fund short sellers that that have done that yeah right? for sure and and uh and like shame on anybody in the media saying like oh wall street bets is um cons conspiring to do the, to do something like that i'm like well wall street's been doing it since time and they have better tools yeah yeah so. it's so different it's like like all the, the market manipulation all that stuff the guys always like talk about you know it's like it's like we've always said it's it's great when it's on your side but it's the worst thing in the world it's not on your side and then everyone's like oh the sec needs to step in this is crap you know this is bullshit and then all of a sudden their play works out and they're like yeah this is awesome like the, you know these screw these guys and market manipulation is the best it's like you know, just just pick a side <laughs> just learn how to play it yeah honestly just just accept that the market is manipulated and with you could still do a lot we we do a lot so yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the funny thing too about like, you know, we've talked about like those computer programs and stuff is people people think that like you can't trade against the computers and it's like, well, like to a certain degree, maybe you can't, but that's why like, you know, for what I do, like I'm always looking for the stocks that are, you know, quote unquote in play is because then retail controls most of the volume, which means the computers can't beat it, right? So they could like, you know, if you look at like a big stock, like an Apple or Google or like a Microsoft on any given day, like when it's just trading at its average volume, like the patterns really don't work out very nicely because it is all computer programs just trading it. So like, you know, you see like a little setup intraday and it breaks out and you go long, it could just come right back down. You know, it could do that a hundred times in a row, which doesn't make sense, like based on the, the um, statistics of that particular pattern. But if retail's in there and let's say the volume's like three times what it usually is, you see that same pattern is going to work, right? Because the computers aren't, they, they don't have control anymore. So it's like, it's just, but that's just another thing, right? Like that's just a part of the market that you have to be aware of. That's why you look for specific stocks to play because you know that those patterns are going to work. So it's just, it's just another element. It's no different than, you know, I remember, I remember I was, uh, what book was it? I think it was, I can't remember what book it was, but I was reading a book and it was from, I think it was from like the eighties or something like that. And basically there was a little snippet in it where they, they were talking about how like some analysts who like 
have really good picks on stocks. Like they're like, you know, this stock's $50 right now. It's going to be 80 by the end of the year. And they're almost bang on. Like they're always getting these stocks really close, but they can't trade because they just don't have the mentality to actually execute and get in and out and they get scared of their positions and they just end up losing, even though they're, they know what the stock's going to do. So like, and this one part, the guy was basically saying like, you know, he sat down beside a guy who was like, like a professional trader and he was saying, okay, like, you know, where should I buy this stock? Like, where should I buy this? And it was coming down. He's saying, oh, like, you know, I can't remember what the number was, but like, you know, buy it off, buy it off $20 or whatever. Cause that's like where the base is. And he's like sitting there waiting for it to come down, down, down. And then it gets there and he says, he's like, okay, yeah, no, like, this is where you want to buy. And like, like the actual trader is like, are you sure? Like, this is where, this is where you would buy it. And he says, yeah, for sure. Like, this is the level, buy it. And then he gets on the phone and he says, you know, like short a hundred thousand shares. And then it, it just smashes it below that level because it is short because like the trader's premise was, okay, if this guy's a really good analyst, I know that everybody's going to be looking at this level to go long. So if I short it with enough size and I snap it below that level, all those guys that just bought are going to go shit and they're going to hit sell. And I'm just going to make a ton of money on that way down. Right. But that's the thing, right? Like, you know, you can call that manipulation if you want, but that's trading. Like that's, that's just a guy sitting there saying, okay, well, I, you know, it's psychology. I know that everybody's looking at this level because that's what this guy's saying. So if I can get enough ahead of them that I can break that level, they're all going to panic and say, okay, this trade's not working and they're going to sell, which is going to push it even further in my direction. But, you know, you can call that manipulation if you want, but like I just call it trading. You know, I don't think I could call that manipulation. That's just, uh, I don't know what you could call that, being sharp. Yeah. Like you have an that's edge. That's what a lot of people think it is. Like people will say that and they'll say, oh, you know, there's this, this hedge fund, like they just like it, the stock spiked up and they just shorted like another, you know, $50 million worth of this stock and it kept it down. Like this is all manipulation. Like that's not manipulation. That's just trading. You're just trading against the guy who has more money than you. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. And people forget that it goes the other way too. I could just <laughs> 2020 alone, I think short sellers lost about 6 billion shorting Tesla. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, they, they did the same trick they're always doing. It just didn't work this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So That's I was going to pull up uh, Tesla's chart, this, the, by the way, so just to see um, what's going on. Because they had earnings this week. And we, we were joking because, like, a, a bunch of companies like Amazon, Tesla, had killer earnings this week. Yeah. Stock didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was bullshit, man. I was up, like, 10% on my Amazon swing or something. And then they came out and said the company grew 27% in a year and it tanked. I'm like, well, this is great. So, so check this out. So earnings came out this day here. Uh, so it got, it got sold down a little bit. It opened high, got sold down during the day of earnings. After the, the market opened, it, it bumped up a little bit and got sold way down again. Hmm. And then it slowly started to recover during the, 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 the following few days. But like, considering people are not appreciating what Tesla did with their earnings. Let me see if I can pull it up. So Last year total, they sold uh, just under half a million vehicles, hmm. 499,000. This year in just two quarters, they've done 386,000. They're on track to grow um, deliveries by 50 to 60%. Wow. Right? And at this size, it's, it's ridiculous to be able to grow at that speed, and they are growing at that speed, and the stock does almost nothing, right? Hmm. And, and for those who don't know, like, if you, do, if, if you don't want to get your news from like um, CNBC or whatever, if you just Google whatever company you're trying to look into, say Tesla, and then put IR, which is investor relations. And usually the first link that comes up is the company's um, page dedicated for shareholders. So, so that's where it got the, uh, the earnings uh, release. There you go. Where's the file? Uh, here we go. Yeah, the shareholder deck. So that's where you're going to find this information. And then, so I just want to point out like the kind of stuff that I look for um because it's not because we were talking about this before caitlin like i don't always look at the financials when i decide uh if to get into a company um but once i'm in a company then i'll start looking at the financials and i'm basically only looking for one thing i'm looking at the trajectory of the revenue and the profit and if it's still on the way up then i'm gonna i'm gonna keep holding on to this company or like buy more shares right mm -hmm. and if you look at their automotive gross margins, it's gone up uh, 3% year over year, or 10% year over year. Oh, wow. So it's trending, it's trending great, right? It was like 25% to 28%. And this is automotive. So this, in the car industry, it's unheard of. Like automotive, yeah. like, right? So 
looked that's operating really margin. Good margin, man, like th- almost 30%. That's wild. Yeah. Operating margin went from 5% to 11. So like, look at oper- operations, income from operations is up 300%. Uh, EPS earnings per share, nine, almost a thousand percent. The stock's reaction to this kind of performance is just mind-bogglingly stupid. See, and- like when I look at that, I, I almost wonder if it's if it's still kind of in like a like a trading battle, like because like with with the ramp that we had, you know, a year or two ago or whatever, when it like when it just went crazy, like I feel like that would have just brought in so many people that were just trading the stock. So like. True. I bet you, like, I still bet you it's going to take like another few years before all that kind of really like weeds itself out. And then you're just looking at investors. Cause like, when you look at like the steady growth companies, like, you know, like the big, you know, powerhouses on the S and P or the Dow Jones or whatever, like they really don't move that much because they're not like a tradable stock. Like they just kind of like chug along and do their thing and they have little blips here and there, but that's about it. Right. Like, but where I look is when I look at Tesla, like if I just look at the chart, I'm like, this is a great, like, this is a great trading stock. Right. So like, I think that, I think that has a lot to do with it. And I'm kind of wondering if, because it's not reacting that much to, you know, to news like this, it almost tells me that most people are still just trading this and they're not, they're not looking at this necessarily. Like they're just treating it as like a technical pattern chart and just buying breakouts and selling breakdowns. And, you know, and until it kind of gets to a point where it's not moving that much and then it just gets boring and all those guys are out. That's a very good point, actually. Um, yeah, I think that could very well be what's doing it. I know, I know. Earlier in the year, people had issues with its um, PE price to earnings, which, to me, that number is almost—it's one of the least relevant numbers that I look at. But analysts love looking at it because, like, mm-hmm. um, and and Brendan will disagree. Like, he loves a company that's like below thirty, and so it's 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 basically used the judge of the company's like at a good value or not, right? So Tesla's at one point was over a thousand, and I'm like. You can't judge a growth stock based on that number because it changes every quarter. It was mm-hmm. a thousand coming out of Q4 last year. It was 700 something coming out of Q1 this year. Now it's down to 350 because this. So by the end of this year, the number could be 100. Mm-hmm. And so if you decided not to buy the stock at a thousand, you just missed out because you know what I mean. Because you looked at one number and you didn't see the the path. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's my issue with that. But I mean. So, like, for comparison, so, Sam, if you could pull it up, let's look at Uber, right? Just do the same process. There you go. Investor relations, Uber. And I guarantee you, we can look at the financials. So, I guarantee you, um, oh, they're not posting that much. You probably get it on BAM SEC. They have all their information on there. Oh, you know what? I'm I probably, but I'm used to using uh, trading. So this is one of the reasons I do like trading. Um, so let me just pull that up. But we can take a look. Let me pull it up. Is that uh, visible? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right. So let's look at uh, Uber's performance. Like, look, they peaked at 2018. Their negative profit margin is 65% in 2019, negative 60% in 2020. So they even before COVID, they sucked. <laughs> right and like let's look at the quarterly like quarterly's up they're still negative three percent like in this company's entire history they haven't made a they haven't really had a profitable year they had maybe one profitable quarter and let's look at the balance balance sheet i'm so curious let's see how much money they have uh so they're down to five billion now so they're just burning cash they had seven they had almost eight billion a uh, year year ago. They're down to five point nine now. That's not good. No. <laughs> this is- <laughs> they keep that up. They only got another few years in business. Yeah, it looks like so. So this is also what's deceptive, right? Twenty nineteen. It looks like they 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 were raising money in twenty nineteen. Some nice um um increase in their cash holdings. They hmm. sold their um their autonomous division. So because they for a while they were trying to do the autonomous driving thing too. They had yeah. a division researching that. They recently sold it, so they given up. So either they ran out of money, or they thought it was a dead end. So, mm-hmm. I, so that's where that money came from, and they're now they're burning that cash, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, which company would you rather put your money in, right? Yeah. yeah. So this is the financial that's, stuff that I look at. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, that's that's kind of like what I look at. You know, like I don't I don't have a 
a lot of time on my day to, to research like a lot of swings and stuff. But like when I do, that's what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for companies that are that are consistently growing. Like that's you know, if a company a company should really be growing every single year, no matter how big it is. So if you're not, then that's a problem. But if you are, then it's probably a pretty safe bet. Like you know, just keep it yeah. just keep it simple. I mean, you don't need to overcomplicate it. <laughs> And so, like, here's, like, the biggest criticism Tesla had. Well, so they've always had criticism every step of the way. But the most recent one was that they can't make a buck if they're not selling the uh, the um, the credits. So, like, uh, I think three major auto industries are, like, saying um, they want to go green. So for every car that's um, that's a fuel vehicle that's, that's sold, they get taxed extra. And the mm -hmm. way to offset that is if you make a green vehicle, a plug-in hybrid or a battery electric, right? So Tesla's all electric. So all they're doing is just generating credits with every car they sell so then they in turn sell these credits back to automakers so then they don't have to pay that extra tax so mm -hmm. for the longest time their revenue was from selling those credits right this past quarter was the first quarter they where they quote unquote was profitable even without the credits so like the mm -hmm. final the final criticism about them not being a profitable company is like is over yeah and, like, I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> Said so I'm waiting for my cyber truck. They said it's going to be next year now. I think though. Yeah, it's you know what it is. It's the, so they actually they talked about that in an earnings call. Um, okay. This is another thing. Like I'm always listening to the earnings calls because you might you're gonna you're gonna catch some little bits of information that's not quite written because a lot of yeah. it's not uh, pre-planned, right? So some so stuff get does get out. So what they were saying was they were on track to be able to. So they're doing this with a solid state battery. Your truck depends on a solid state battery. So most mm -hmm. batteries have this. Um, um, have a little bit of um, what's it called chemical process inside that's kind of wet. It's a wet process. The dry one is like infinitely cleaner um, for the environment and infinitely cheaper to produce. Hmm. And because it's not wet, wet is takes up a lot of volume. So because it's dry, they can pack more in there. So it's got 50% more energy density. Okay. So they thought they cracked the code. They were make they were able to make it in small batches. But, but what they they even laughed about, about it in the earnings call. They're like, but what they didn't realize was once you make the rollers really big to create the dry stuff, for some reason it doesn't work anymore. Like it works with smaller rollers. Once you expand it, it just doesn't keep, the the pace does, isn't the same. Oh, okay. So they basically just have to figure out how to like make the batteries bigger. <laughs> just, yeah. So so they were like kind of giggling on him on the thing. They're like, listen, this is a problem, but it's not a big problem. We'll figure it out. It's just we didn't yeah. like who would have thought like big roller, small roller. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that makes sense. Right. So your truck got delayed because of rollers, man. <sighs> That's all right. <laughs> I'll wait till next year. But uh, but yeah, oh, a bit of advice too. Elon's like, um, if you're gonna buy a Tesla, a new model, you buy the early batch or you buy after they do a production ramp. During the ramp is when you start seeing the cars with the with the with the defects. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's good to know. So I waited a year for my Model Y to come up before I ordered it. It was pretty okay. defects. <laughs> well, I got a, I'm, I'm on the pre-order, so I'll actually get the first ones then that don't have any yeah. defects. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But um, to finish it off, I just want to actually I want to get your thoughts on uh, Bitcoin because it's ooh it's coming down right now. Ooh it's coming down. Pull up my screen. So. I don't know if you could. Can you see these arrows clearly? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so what I did was like early in the week. So I should start off. So back in July third, I was talking about this even before then, but I posted it on July third. Yeah. I was like, because everyone was calling Bitcoin, was saying that Bitcoin was creating a uh, head and shoulders, right? Yeah. I'm gonna get rid of this garbage. So this is the right shoulder, of the head, and this is this the sorry, the left shoulder, of the head, and the right shoulder, right? Hmm. At about this point, at about mid June, I was like, "This doesn't look like a shoulder to me." Like I'm trying to, like I'm trying to read the price action, and I'm like, "This is not the same emotional response as you see on this shoulder. It's just not right." Mm -hmm. And so, what I did recognize was this pattern. Very few people recognize it, but I do. This at the time was only this much was formed, but I already took, it was this piece right here. This is called a, a fulcrum. It's a fulcrum bottom, and so that's what I saw here. This is a very it's a very rare chart. You usually see it in commodities like corn. I don't know why, but mm. so that little, that little sell-off we, we had there, I said that was going to be a bear trap, final bear trap. And I said this a month ago, right? And look, and Bitcoin had that little bear trap and then boom, spiked right up. So what I did was I took a, I took a position here. I bought the short, uh, I bought it at 30,000 and ended up going like to 29. So it like dropped to maybe two and a half percent below my, my entry point. 
but um but i i didn't set a stop either but maybe i should have <laughs> but uh but i was pretty sure the fulcrum is playing out because whenever everybody calls for the same thing it's like that example you were saying from the book it's like whenever everybody's calling for the same thing i'm like i i start to get a little suspicious right right so everyone's calling for head and shoulders we're going to twenty five thousand. i'm like if everyone's saying it, i i i got a feeling it's not going to happen so, so that's why I took that long. I got in like $10,000 position. I just started playing it up. And so I think we were talking about it that day too. So that's me getting in long and I exited almost right away. Like it went up 10%. I exited right away. I think where I was talking to you guys, even on the chat during that time, I said, I, I stopped out. And yeah. then, um, and then I was watching the chart closely. I'm like, you know what? This thing looks like it has legs. So I bought back in again, wrote it up to, I think it was 30, I think it was 38.5. Uh, I sold, I sold again. Then I bought back in at 36 and then I finally stopped out the other day. I, this was actually my target. My target was just over 42,000, okay. but I woke up the other day and it hit my stop. I did set a stop 38, five, 500. And then, um, and then be, it was very much because of your influence. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be disciplined because time was that if I was this successful, I probably would have been a little arrogant. I would have jumped in on this play. Right. But, um, but I didn't, I was like, and I'm proud of it. Like, I don't care that I missed this 10% move. I actually very proud that I didn't jump back in because this could go horribly wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a so, when you wait for the really good setups. Yeah. And the way I see it is, you know what, because this, um, this rally here was surprising. I think it caused a lot of people to get in here. And that's what I was thinking. Like now it's going to be a bull trap, right? right? Did a little spike, got rejected again. And now it looks like it's coming down. Still so, front side, right? like until it breaks that line, it's still front side. Yeah, I think it's coming down though. It's getting it's getting very close to it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know what your um. Let me pull it up on the bigger chart, but I don't know what your think thoughts are in the um. From from daily perspective, that was the four hour. This is the daily. Yeah, I like it better on the four hour. It's a little easier to see the. the oh, do you? Yeah. Right, let's go down there. I'm more of a shorter term guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah like even the RSI is diverging. Yeah, it's still front side overall. Like if, if it broke below that uh, that front side, then you'd probably be coming down to like what is that, maybe thirty six five or something like that for your first test. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, that's somewhere there. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think incidentally, where's my orders? Thirty six one thirty three. I think that's where my order was. Thirty six. Okay. I got one at thirty six and one at thirty three. Yeah. Yeah. So my thought process is, um, so I called capitulation a long time ago. It was a little ballsy, but this is when I called capitulation. This was back in May, and I wasn't sure, obviously, but I saw that I saw the data that eighty dollars a month was worth chain, and I was just waiting for this. So I feel like we may not go, we not, we may not be out of a bear market. My theory is that we've 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 found a bottom, and now we're going to do a little price discovery to the upside. Mm -hmm. That'd be good so, though, man. Like if it just, if it holds over like 30 and it just kind of like goes sideways for a while, like that'd be really good. Cause that would give it a lot of time to base and give it some support and start moving up again. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Like it's cause my view is that I'm going to pull it on daily, but my view is that everybody that wanted to sell all the loose hands, all the fear guys sold, they had three months to sell. They had three months to get out of their positions. Mm -hmm. Right. So as far as I'm concerned, the supply is not there anymore. So well, not until we reach this area, but as far as I'm concerned, the supply is not going to be here. And it's just a question of demand. Is there demand? Well, the thing too, is like, if you think about it, like if, if, you, if we hold in this kind of channel that we're in right now, like the longer that we hold there, in my opinion, the longer the guys that bought above it would be more comfortable and not sell into pops too, right? Oh, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, because I mean, if like, if you're just, you know, if, let, let's say you bought it, you know, 55,000, and it's just trading between, you know, 30 and 40, 30 and 45 for, you know, a year or a little bit longer. Like to me, like if I was, if I was like a long-term investor, then I'd be sitting there and be like, oh, okay, well, this thing's actually kind of holding up. And then if it started to come back up, I wouldn't be scared and saying, okay, like I got to get the hell out of here now. I'd be like, well, no, it's like, it's holding up now. It's holding a solid base and now it's starting to creep up higher. So maybe I'll just buy more, right? Interesting. So that's why Bitcoin, I think, has always been so tricky is because it has such like big erratic moves and like you're kind of playing this war with guys who just trade it versus guys who want to invest in it. But like the guys that want to invest in it, they don't want this kind of volatility, right? Yeah. 
like, well, yeah. I mean, for most investors, they'd love to see a straight line. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, you look at something like this and it's like, you know, 60,000 and then it drops down to 30,000. Like, you know, you lose 50% and like what, a couple months kind of thing. Like that's not, that's not very good <laughs> for, for someone who's like buying this as an investment with a lot of money. Right. But that's what I mean. Like if it kind of, if it kind of holds in this channel and it, it instead of having these big up moves and down moves, if we kind of get like a nice solid support level going on and then it starts creeping up higher, then I think that'll, that'll ease a lot of the tensions and the guys that bought up above where we're at now. And see, like there's clearly support right around this level here was at 20, like say call it 30,000. Like this is where a lot of the, the buying has been happening. Clearly look at all those wicks. Yeah. We've hit it twice too, right? They hit it back in the beginning of the year too. And so this is what I mean about when everybody says, that's it's going to 20k it's going to 25k it'll be 28k there's going to be some portion of people out there going okay if that's where you think or you know what i mean let's say i'm going to mm -hmm. take that trade right and so it it shocks these people that it doesn't go there yeah, that's why i so, hate shorting into weakness man like i hate i never short into weakness like if i see a level break i don't get in when it breaks like because it just i it can just trap you so fast and then your risk is so high like on this one, like I know I talked about it last time, like the smaller risk, but if you look at like big picture, I mean, if you were to get in at 28,000, like you'd basically be risking up to 40, like you'd have to risk the top of that shoulder, right? If you're looking at like the full picture. So that's a huge risk, right? Interesting. That's where why would I like, you tar where would your target have been if you- I don't, I don't like head and shoulders that much. Like it's not really like one of my favorite setups. I, don't, I really don't use it very much. I just use my, horizontal lines and you know i use my i use my trend line to determine front side or back side and then i trade based off the horizontal lines but like i'm always i'm always trying to short into stuff i hate shorting like when stuff breaks because it can trap so easily and your risk reward is terrible like if you know like let's say bitcoin broke below twenty eight thousand. like if i wasn't in i'd short on a pop up to twenty eight thousand because then i know i'm right at the top and then i know if it gets over 28 and it sits there then it's reclaimed and then I can get out and have a really tight risk. But like, if I just short into that weakness, like maybe it just, you know, maybe 28 breaks and it goes to 26 and it comes right back up and reclaims. So just for just, uh, I want to create a little visual for the viewers. Um, what you're saying is you'd rather have it break down and then pop back up, say here and yeah. it gets rejected. And then, and then, and that's where you, you'll short. Yeah. hundred percent. Like if I, if I like back in May there, when it broke right down, like if I saw a good entry on a pop up to like 40,000, I might put a starter there and then just kind of trade that channel. Like, you know, I might take like, you know, I don't know Bitcoin numbers or whatever, but let's say it's a hundred, like, let's say I have a hundred shares or whatever, for example, like I might put on a hundred shares and then I would cover 50 at the bottom and then short again at the top and then cover at the bottom and just kind of like work that channel all the way along. And then once it broke, then I might add to say 150 because I already have a higher starter. So that's when I would add on a break, but I would never just go in like first shot on a break. I don't trade like that because the risk reward is always terrible. Yeah. I mean, look at you would have had a, like 30% in, what is it? Two weeks, 30% yeah. move in two weeks. Yeah. yeah. But, so but like, to your point, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying like, that's, that's why like, you know, you really want to look, you don't, you don't want to chase stuff down because if you look at this, like, you know, you're basically, you've been selling off from 40 down to 29. So now if 29 breaks, say like 28 is the level or whatever that breaks and you get short there, like you have to think in your head, there's already a lot of guys who started shorting at 40. So like they'll be covering into that wash. And that's what I do a lot of the time. Like yeah. I'll hit a bounce and then I'll, I'll look at a level. So I'll cover, I'll cover just above that level. And then I'll hold another amount of share. Like, let's say I cover, you know, half of my position just above the level, cover maybe like a quarter on the level, and then I'll cover the remainder of it, like just below. Cause like a lot of the times you just get like a quick wash and then it might come back it might reclaim. Or if it trickles off and falls, you know, falls all the way down, then maybe I'll hold on like a tiny position for that. But it's just, it's a lot safer way to play. Like if you, if you try and chase that weakness, it's really risky. Yeah. To your point, like, look at this. This is a one day candle. It sold off 32% in that one day, but it bounced back up 23%. So if you sold anywhere here, like you, you're fine. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 
but even there, like even where you got in long, right? Like, I mean, if you had a short of that on that bottom thinking, oh, okay, we're closing pretty strong below this level and you get short right there, then immediately reclaims, you know, like let the thing, let it tank down to 22,000 bucks or something and then bounce way back up. And then you just load it on the top. Cause then you're basically looking at, you know, you're looking at 28, 29 and you know, okay, if it gets to, you know, 30 or 30 and a half, then you cover cause you know, it's reclaiming that level, but at least you can get in full size and you know that you're, you're coming up into a wall, right? You're not just kind of like fluttering below a support level. Yeah. And to like, and this is, I think it's important um, about finding an edge. So the reason I pay for the on-chain data and like, it was strange when I, went long here when I when my or before it hit that order but when I set that order I had almost no nerves because mm -hmm. it wasn't a gamble because I was looking at the on-chain data so I had already I already had this pattern figured out and I was like this might happen but I looked at the on-chain data and it gave me confirmation because during this move right here it was hilarious every spike uh every every spike down every slam down I saw the short positions on the spot market and every every time it slammed down instead of covering these guys added so the short positions was just were just going up, and I'm and I even put it on Twitter on, on IG. I was like, you know, if somebody was going to engineer a short squeeze, this would this would be like a good setup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So I caught that there, and and that's why I played that move, right? So it's like important to like have your thesis and have a bunch of things to kind kind of confirm it too, because I'm sure you, when you play your patterns, you're like looking at a bunch of different. Things. Yeah. Well, like the best way to look at it is to always look at it from both sides. Like you were just saying there, right? Like you're, you're looking at the shorts, how they're coming in. You're thinking this is, this would be a great, you know, great short squeeze. So then when you see that, when you see that breakdown below the level, it closes below the level and then it immediately comes right back up. Like you're thinking, okay, this is a great long signal, right? So like you got to look at both sides of the trade and that's what both of us do is like, I, I do the same thing. Like, you know, you've, You've seen my trades where like I get stopped out short and then I'll just I'll buy long immediately and I'll make my loss back and then some because I'm thinking, okay, like if I got stopped out short, then I know there's a lot of people that aren't gonna stop out because they're not that smart and <laughs> it's gonna squeeze them out. So I'm gonna ride this thing long and I gonna take I'm gonna take that profit, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's like a huge reason why I didn't get jump back in because I'm like because I had the opposite thought this time. I was like, well, if there's ever like if there was ever gonna be a bull trap, you know, get a bunch of people's hopes up, we have what? It's like nine straight days, ten straight days of, you know, green candles. I'm like, yeah. you know, if somebody's gonna get overconfidence now and look, yeah, lo yeah. and behold, yeah, for sure. So yeah, that makes sense. That's you know, that's the psychology of everything. That's why I always say you just look at both sides. You know, like and you just follow the path of least resistance. Like, what's gonna be the easier trade? Like, you know, who's getting stopped out? Who's who's getting screwed over? And you just hop on the other side. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think to wrap it up, <laughs> did you do you still have that tweet? I wanted to comment on that. Oh yeah, I don't have it open, but I can I can I can paraphrase yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I'll paraphrase it. Just our our you know weekly AMC recap. So I guess they have an earning because yeah, pretty much every week now I think for the past like at least a month there's been like some big biblical day where it's like oh July twenty seventh that's gonna be the day you know like it's gonna go to the moon kind of thing and then it doesn't do anything. <laughs> you know, so like yeah. now they're saying their earnings call is on the ninth, and um, like it just pops up on my phone on Twitter, and there's this guy, like one of the big AMC guys, I guess, has a big following. So he he tweets and he says, "Oh, the, he's like he's like the ninth is gonna be the day. Like you're gonna want to accumulate as many shares as you can before then." I'm like, you know, why? Because they're having an earnings call. Like this this is irrelevant information. Yeah. So. Like I, I was talking to you off camera earlier, and I was like, the reason I, I like to bring it up now because I'm just absolutely fascinated by it. I know <laughs> it's broken like every convention. I just I want to see it play out, right? Yeah. But it's just like it's the funniest thing. Like it's just I I keep trying to get away from it, but like I keep trading it. Like, but I just it's just like the whole like the the chart itself and the patterns are great. Like they play out really nicely. They're easy to trade. Like they're easy to make money on. But like, it's just the whole background saga behind it. I just, it's just hilarious to watch this all go out because I literally am not paying attention to any of this stuff. And I'm just sitting here just trading it based on the chart, like super boring. And it's just so easy because it's so technical. <laughs> There's like all these big things like, oh, this is going to be the day. And then I'm like, no, I don't see it. And I'll short it and then it'll go down again. <laughs> but like, so I mean, wow. it, 
like even just this daily chart, man, like, like it, so it's closed now under like that little short term uptrend line, right? On this little, you know, whatever you want to call that, a pennant or whatever. So, yeah, so it's, it's basically closed under that line. And you can kind of see it's been like hitting on the $37 mark for a little while. And there's been some big top wicks. Like anytime that it's kind of tried to spike up, it's been stuffed down pretty hard. So I think one of two things is going to happen. Either that 37 is going to hold. And it's gonna, we're gonna have a really big up day, in which case, you know, I might go long. But I think the more likely scenario is that we have a really big down day because it's been sticking to that level so long. Like I can almost see that breaking and just blowing right through that 33.5 the next space and going down to 26. Because like that, yeah, look at that line. Like that's that's creeping right behind <laughs> like a really, really strong front side level. Holy shit, how far back does this thing go? No, that's it. No, that's so this it. was May, May, yeah. But like that, that is the front side right there. So like if you scroll out a little bit more, like this is your major front side line because you can see, like see like, you know, kind of like call it your ABCD setup, right? When it first took off. Right here? So like the big spike and then it came down, like when it kind of consolidated. Yeah, yeah so it came up, went down. And then when it had that big run up, like into, you know, the seventies. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, exactly. So like that line that you drew, like the one that runs up into where we're at now, like that's my favorite front side line. So the, the major front side line would be off the dip from back in like uh, May of 2021 or whatever it is to the bottom. Yeah. From there. And then over across to the bottom all the way out. So that would be, that's like full side front side, but the one that you have drawn there, like that's your major short-term front side. So that's that's my favorite line because I know as soon as it gets behind that line, short the shit out of it. <laughs> 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 so that's why I want to see. Like that's why I want to see. Like if it tanks below that, I'm gonna be hitting every pop with every single dollar that I have available. Cause that's like that's a perfect setup right there to go short. This gets a little interesting. The uh this level right here is actually very curious. It's like the previous, so we were testing previous uh, resistance. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's it's a huge level too, like across the board. It's like, we're tr we're just like inching along right at that line. We're, we're about, like we're crossing into backside and we're also right at the previous all time high. So that's what I mean. Like if that snaps, that's a huge level to snap. Where would your target be here? 20, 20 uh, bucks? 26, I'd probably take some into the front, like into the front of that. Oh, that was my level. Yeah. My bio order was 22 is what I had. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was checking my orders the other day. I actually put it, I didn't, I didn't put it at 22 or 20, put it at 20 of this thing here. It was like okay. where that, pre, that wick was and this previous um, top. So I thought that'll yeah. be an interesting yeah. area to turn around. And it was yeah, previous like support too. Yeah. Yeah, I had 26 and 22 for cover targets. And then, like, if we get below 22, I think, it, like, it's just complete game over. It's going to go back down to, you know, buck or whatever it was. Oh, oh we got shot. Oh, <laughs> perfect. We hit the hour mark. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, just, yeah, I just think that's hilarious. I mean. Well, the reason <laughs> I asked was because I wanted to just point out, ooh, Bitcoin just dropped another 500 bucks in that conversation <laughs> it's coming it's it's hitting that line yeah. but um i was gonna say like i hope people aren't holding on to i know they probably are but don't hold on to amc because you're expecting explosive earnings it's just not going to happen the business i know the business right um if anything could pop the price to maybe some forward statements they're gonna make saying well remember i joked to say that said uh, they, they came out with an app like yeah we lost 30 million dollars but it came out and uh that might spike the price yeah yeah, yeah. i know i think like I've, I've talked to like you know i've talked to a few people that are like in amc because like obviously every time i mention it i say that i'm shorting it right now because it's the back side of the move so i'm gonna short it um but uh like i've talked to a few people and like you know they, they start off saying like oh you're spreading all this fear and doubt and blah 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 and you know I, my response is always like look like i'm i'm I'm, do I'm doing this on a free podcast. Like I'm just trying to give people information on like what I've been doing to make money. So if you want to take my two cents to learn from it, go ahead. If not, like I'm really not going to lose any sleep over it. But uh, yeah, like the bottom line is it's just like 
some of the guys I've talked to are smart and like, you know, they, they've said like, yeah, I, I had, you know, X amount of shares and then I sold, you know, 500 of them or a thousand of them or whatever in, you know, when it was up around 50 bucks. So now like I've covered my initial investment. I'm like, okay, that's perfect. Like that's exactly how you want to trade because now you're trading risk-free, right? Like if it goes back down to where you got in, you know, you, you cut your, you, you sell the stock and you've, you've made your investment. Right. So like, that's, but like, I think, I don't think a lot of people have done that, which is why, you know, I like, I don't want to say I'm spreading like negativity and doubt. I just really want people to be aware of the fact that like, if this thing starts to fall, like just, even if you take some money off the table, like just, I mean, just please do so. <laughs> In my opinion, I just, you know, it just, I just hate seeing all this crap on Twitter and people just pumping this thing up to people that don't know how to trade and they don't know what they're putting their money in. And there's, you know, like I, I always talk back about like the Bitcoin in 2017 and like, you know, it's really sad because like I, I remember after that whole thing happened, like I was new to trading and I was seeing like all these people that were like, oh, my God, like I put my lungs in this, like I put my kids college fund in this. Everybody that like all over the Internet, every single person on the street I passed said it was going to go to a hundred thousand dollars. Now I've lost all my money. I have to go back. Like it's people don't see that side of it. Like it really does destroy people's lives and it's sad so like when i'm out here saying like listen guys be cautious take some profits like don't get too greedy that's not me saying like oh you know this is a stupid play this is a stupid setup no like yeah you guys made money on the long side i didn't so congratulations to there like i was wrong in that initial move because i didn't think it was going to do what it did but now that it's done what it's done like and i'm seeing this thing just selling off and selling off i mean like the, the few people that have taken their profits to cover their initial investment is brilliant. Like that's exactly how you want to trade. And then you let that other little piece do what it's going to do. If it goes to hundred thousand dollars a share, then that's fantastic. But if it goes back down to zero, you get out of that unscathed. But the people that don't take any money, if it goes back down to zero, then you lose all that money. And I can guarantee you, this is the kind of stock where if it trades down to $5 next week, everybody on Twitter is still going to be saying like, Oh, you better buy more. It's on a discount. It's on a discount. Like it's not going to stop. So that's, that's kind of why I get so frustrated with this sort of thing is people don't realize that like, you know, they think it's all some big joke and we're in some big Reddit army. Like, no, you're literally like, there's people out there whose lives are going to get ruined if they're not careful. And people don't understand that. I feel like part of the reason um, the price has gone it the way it has is because people have been evangelizing this thing. It's they created teams. It's us versus them. And if you're not in it, you're like against us. If you say anything negative, then you're you're fud you're fighting. Yeah. But like, but we're not fighting. We're literally we've seen this a million times. It's happened to us a million times. Like, take the money, take the money. Yeah. <laughs> what do I say? Like, you know, what do I tell you every single time? Like, I always take my profits in four or five separate pieces because yeah. rule number one when you're trading is take enough off the table. You cover your initial investment. So if it goes back down and it hits your stop, you're out for zero. As yeah. soon as you're in that in that situation, then you're you're trading risk free, and that's that's where you want to be. Yeah, well, it's a, it's actually that's a I forgot to mention that with the Bitcoin. So I went initially with um, it was a th it was a third of my portfolio. That's when I did the trade. I put a third of my portfolio into the trade. The first time I cashed out, I I went all out, and I know you you don't like that, but but I do that. And then um, when I got back in, I got back in half size because I was very sure of the turn, but I'm not sure, I become less sure as the price increases. So I always right. say like the size of my trade reflects the confidence I have in that in that trade. So it gets smaller, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the same thing even when you're in a winning trade, right? Like, I mean, like, you know, you, you it's like, you know, like I just said, like I add to my winners, like if I'm short something, I'll short it on the spike and then I'll add, it, add into it once it confirms. But once it gets close to my levels, I'll start taking some off before my levels and then take some off into my level and then leave a tiny little piece just to see if maybe it goes way past. So I'm not missing out on all those gains. Right. But I'm never, I'm never just, you know, holding on for the whole, like the big home run, because it's, it's just, it's not the way you're going to make money. Like if you don't get the home run, then all those little profits are going to equal out to way more than making one big home run trade. Right. So it's, yeah. it's tricky because everybody wants their money now, like these days, but it, like the safest way and the most consistent way to do it is to take little bits every day. I think I think maybe that's the 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 ending message we should be given to people. So it's like, look, don't look at this as like a gamble. Hey, a bet on red, all in, all out. Let's hit a jackpot, right? Look at it as like anything else, like like it's work. You 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 do it with a strategy. It's just you know it's a strategic game. So it's like 
take your risk off the table. Let it run if you like this thing, but take some risk off the table every step of the way. You can always jump back in. There's so many options. Why why does it have to be like bet all of red? Let's let's hope it hits, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's so different than going to the casino, right? Like you go to the casino with a hundred bucks and you know, that's it. If you lose that hundred bucks, you're out. And then the smart gambler will go in there. If he makes another hundred bucks, takes his original hundred bucks, puts it in his pocket and doesn't touch it. So you're just playing with the house's money. Or even better, like you got, you have guys who, I know guys who can really play blackjack. They can sort of count the cards. They know the odds. It's like, it's not luck that these guys win consistently. It's like the same thing with poker. It's not luck that the same guys end up in the table, right? In the final table. It's like, because they're, they're treating it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's a job. Like you have to treat it like a job. I mean, you know, you know, I've been doing this for years and we spend hours and hours every single day, seven days a week to maybe make money if the markets do something that we know how to play. Yes. Yeah. That's, you know, that's it. That's it. That's it. So that's our advice for this week's episode. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you again next week. See you later, guys.